There's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hello, and welcome to our 22nd episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today I'm talking to Micah Hart, host of Who Knows One. As many of you already know, Micah hosts a Facebook game show based on the premise of Jewish geography, and it was in the comments section of this game show that, there's a column for that, was born. So I was so glad that despite his complete and utter loathing for spreadsheets, Micah agreed to be the guest on this, our final episode of season one. After this episode, we are taking a break for the summer and we'll be back in September with a mini season of monthly chats with writers who love spreadsheets as I gear up for the publication of my second novel, Liminal Summer. Since this podcast started in September of 2020 with my personal spreadsheet guru, atypical CPA, Carolyn Hateman, I've had a blast talking to new friends and old about how they interact with spreadsheets. If there's one thing that I hope has come through during this journey is that there are definitely spreadsheet people and not spreadsheet people, but very few assumptions can be made about these two types of people. Yes, spreadsheet people may be CPAs and actuaries and mathematicians, but they may also be writers, comedians, architects, artists, and stage managers. Spreadsheets are a tool, a powerful one, and in my opinion, they are a tool best used to make the world a better place. I think they are capable of that in the right hands. Please follow us on Twitter at column underscore pod, and please be in touch. We'd love to know what other professions you'd like to hear from in future mini-seasons. And if you're new to the show, make sure to check out our archives. My chat with Micah was recorded on May 11th, and we are releasing it on June 30th. Please remember to wear your mask. Black lives still matter. Joe Biden is the rightfully elected president of the United States. And remember, spreadsheets save lives. A huge thank you to my husband and editor, Sam Schindler, for all his work on this season. Make sure to check out his podcast, What We Will Abide. Be well. Hi, Micah. Welcome to There's a Column for That. Hi, Jamie. I'm uh, sorry that uh, I caused you to do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in, which I'm actually sort of curious about myself. Do you have hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space related or unrelated to spreadsheets? And how do we know each other? Feel free to answer any or all of these questions. Sure. Uh, so I'm Micah. Uh, I live in Atlanta with my wife and my two kids who are just finishing first and third grade. Um, what do I do? I am a game show host. Uh, I think that's probably the best way to describe myself. 
you know, it's funny. Um, you mentioned tangents are welcome, so we might as well get started with that. Uh, we were at a friend's birthday party this past Saturday, uh, outdoors. I feel like I still feel compelled to say things like that and probably will for a long time, but. And when you say we, you do not mean you and I, you mean. Correct. I mean, myself and my family, uh, and haven't really been around people in that environment in a while. And so someone who I didn't know well was like, what do you do? And it's just this thing where I'm like okay, if I say what I do, then I'm gonna, it's gonna be a thing. Like I'm gonna have to explain it. And then I'm gonna have to explain the explanation. Uh, because especially if you're not Jewish, like it's not just that I host a game show, it's that I host a game show about Jewish geography. And if you're not Jewish, you don't know what Jewish geography is, or actually you probably do, you just don't know that there's a term for it in the Jewish community. Um, and so it's just the whole thing. And so it's just kind of funny thinking like, okay, it's like a it's like a fork in the road in any conversation I'm having for the foreseeable future with someone who isn't familiar with the show, which, you know, honestly, most people <laughs> that applies to. <laughs> so why don't you tell our listeners who probably maybe are familiar with your show, but let's pretend they're not. Tell me about your game show. Sure. So I host a game show called Who Knows One. Um, it is a game show that is about... Uh, six degrees of separation and Jewish geography. It's really a game that is about connection and reconnection. Uh, I started it a little over a year ago, very early on in the pandemic. Uh, I just sort of had this idea of something that I thought would be fun to pass the time while we were all sitting around. And it sort of dawned on me that everybody was available. And if, uh, if you needed somebody to hop on a zoom call, they probably could. So, premise of the show is contestants are given the name of a random Jewish person and the first person to find that person and get them onto the Zoom call is the winner. Uh, it was originally called Jewish Geography Zoom Racing, which is a very literal uh, explanation of what the show is. Um, and we've been doing it for now over a year, which is insane. And, uh, and just to make a long story short, and I was head of social media for Buffalo Wild Wings until last May. Uh, I got laid off and I was looking for other jobs for a period of time, but had started doing the show and it was kind of taking off a bit and just found myself spending more and more time doing that and less and less time looking for jobs and fairly quickly was like, I see a path to this being what I do. And I'd much rather be doing this than getting yelled at all day about overpriced chicken wings. So, uh, so here we are, this is what I do now. I am a game show host and, uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. Uh, it's definitely a very strange path uh, that I that I didn't expect. And at the same time, a lot of people are like, no, that makes total sense what you're doing, um, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine anyone saying, yes, of course, you host a game show on Facebook about Jews who know each other. That's obviously how someone would make their living. Like, and having been in the Jewish world for quite some time, even I couldn't have said that. And yet I'm super excited that that's how it worked out for you. Yeah, it's great. Um, and completely unexpected. And, you know, I always tell people like, I'm just trying to enjoy it. If, if this is something that only lasts for another few months, then I will have enjoyed the time that I did it. And if it is sustainable and lasts a lot longer than that, which I mean, I, I think it will be, um, 
but if it's not, it's not. And I will just be appreciative of the time that I had and the relationships that I formed and the people I met uh, and the education that I got. Um, <laughs> and you also asked how we know each other. Um, I Let's see, I, I think the way we know each other is uh, one of the early episodes of my show was a guy named uh, David Schindler, who I worked with at the Atlanta Hawks for a long time. And you are his cousin, or I guess Sam, I'm guessing, is his cousin. Correct. Uh, and so I think maybe that was your entry into the show. Possibly you got brought on. Did you get brought on? I did, but it was one of those things where it was just as the other team was finding the chosen ah, one. So it yes. was like I came on and was like, oh, my cousin's a lawyer in DC. I got this. And yeah. you're like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, you reached out and I had you on my podcast. Um, and you've been a, I don't want to say a, a loyal fan ever, ever since, because, you know, that's up to you. I consider uh, myself part of your squad. That, that's, yeah. that's what I would say. So, yeah. I mean, I appreciate, uh, you know, your involvement uh, in the show, but I don't want anyone to feel like they're beholden to anything. Everybody has their own lives and their own things that they do to entertain themselves. And so, you know, I appreciate whatever energy you have put in and, you know, continue to put in. As one of your, I would say, loyal fans and community members really appreciate what you brought to quarantine for us. I would say I am curious to see what happens because like for our family, our kids have stayed home from school this whole year and stayed home from soccer until March. And as soon as soccer started up again, I would say my viewership plummeted just because all of a the sudden they each practice at least twice a week and have one or two games a weekend. And all of a sudden, that's all it took to disrupt our sort of quarantine homebound bubble. Yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, nothing is ever static. Things are always in motion. Things are always changing. And I don't anticipate that what we've done for the past year will always be what it looks like, even to the point of we don't do the Saturday night show anymore. Uh, and that was an intentional choice because people are starting to get, thankfully, I don't want to say back to normalcy, whatever the new version of normalcy will be. And my thought is, uh, you know, so maybe Saturday night, uh, or at least as a regular thing, is not uh, the path forward. But I think a weeknight you know, watching the show is like watching any other show that you watch. If you like Grey's Anatomy and you tune in for it every Thursday night, I don't see why tuning in Wednesday nights uh, for Who Knows One would necessarily be any different. Um, and I but... have to assume your community games are going to happen no matter. I mean, I feel like it's such a benefit to synagogues, camps, schools. I mean, I can see, I know you've expanded beyond the Jewish community. I mean, to me, that part is just such a no-brainer. We've all figured out how to use Zoom now. So how do we, and and people talk about it all the time. Like there was nothing stopping me from Zooming with my six closest college friends up until 2020. Did we do it? No. Did right. we do it during 2020? Yes. Will we continue to do it? Yes. So Yeah, there's no question that, that habits have started uh, that are unlikely to change, um, or at least unlikely to go away. Some, they, everything will change, but I, I agree with you. I, I am, I am bullish on there being, uh, a, a reason for this thing to exist even beyond the quarantine. And that said, you know, it certainly was easiest when everyone was sitting around just trying to pass the time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, as, 
useful as this show has been to me personally through this time, I will happily trade not being in a pandemic uh, for whatever life has in store for me beyond this, uh, should I have to do something else. And then your last question I think I heard was, uh, what's my relationship to spreadsheets? Uh, and I would say it's pretty much hate, hate. Yeah. So I feel like the, there's real, there's real sort of parody full circleness because you had me and my husband on your show to talk about summer camp, which I absolutely love and he absolutely hates. So you are the first person I've had on this show who hates spreadsheets, but I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah. And I guess I feel like I should clarify a couple of points on that. Go for it. One, I, I'm well, I, maybe three points. The first point is, Mostly, I just like to say that I hate them because I know that it drives you crazy. Uh, second. Wait, I've had that much of an impact on your life. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I think I know you well enough to know that uh, you're someone I would enjoy pissing off from time to time. And, you know, uh, it's like family. Um, and then second, uh, I'm just not good at spreadsheets. And that's a big piece of it. Like, if I ever put, like, on a resume you know, handy with Excel, like that is a, that is a bald face lie. I am terrible at it. So if I had more facility, I certainly understand the value of them and, and see the usefulness. I'm just not any good at it. And anything I'm not good at, I immediately want nothing to do with. And then third of all, I think the very specific nature of how the subject of spreadsheets came up in our show is when I started doing this, I picture myself as the person participating in it. And if I were participating, I would do zero prep. I would just show up and you would tell me who we're looking for. And then I would start reaching out to people. And it just, I did not ever imagine a scenario where people would put as much time and energy into do, being a part of the show. And I, first of all, I love that people do it. It clearly shows that people care that they're invested in it. It's wonderful. It's just not my style. So when I started to see people building spreadsheets to be contestants and entering all the information of all the people they knew, I was just like, what is happening? What a waste of time. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay. I think we might throw out my normal questions because I, I have I have a feeling you don't know what a pivot table is and it's not worth it. I've us. heard of it. <laughs> yeah, so unless there were any of the questions I sent you in prep that you're desperate to talk about, let's just, let's just hash through this. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna follow say, your lead. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say a couple things. Number one, I think it's important for people who haven't seen the show to understand that you are not allowed to Google or use Facebook to find this person, which when I came on the show in one of the very first episodes, I did not understand. So you give me the name of a Jewish lawyer in DC. The first thing I'm going to do is put that into Facebook and see how can, because I got to be connected somehow, right? And so you were like, no, 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 you can't do that. So I was like, okay, well, my cousin's a Jewish lawyer in DC, so let's just go there. However, I'm gonna say something quite alarming to any of our mutual fans, which is I actually think spreadsheets in the show is a little bit of cheating. I probably agree with that. And I've just never felt strongly enough about it to legislate it in any way, shape or form but it certainly borders it 
Right, because one of the things you're not allowed to do is like use ShulCloud, which is essentially a database. But like if you ahead of time downloaded ShulCloud into an Excel spreadsheet, would you be allowed to use that mm. spreadsheet? So, yeah, right. So I actually, as someone who uh, Micah and the rest of you know, as a rule follower, sure. because spreadsheets have never been legislated out, when I was a contestant during the tournament, we... So my partner and I live in separate households. We had a shared Google Sheet that was basically, if they say Atlanta, go here. If they say DC, go here, which I thought was pretty important for us. But also, I'm not sure I agree with that being part of, like falling within the rules. Now, what I will say is I'm 45 and older and my memory is starting to go. Oh, I will say that some of the younger contestants may have a leg up if you were to outlaw spreadsheets. Yeah, it's all part of this whole thing of just like, uh, I just, I just always assumed that this would always just sort of be like for a goof, you know, that no one would take this seriously enough that we would have to actually make concrete rules. This came up literally last week where uh there was a tie break round on a show and for those who aren't familiar with the show the way it works is normally it's you're given a specific person with a specific like it's a person you're trying to find that person with a tie break round it's a description of a person and it's the first person to, first team or whatever to find anyone that fits that description so we were trying to find uh, a, a person living in alabama who's jewish and works at a summer camp and what happened was, and, and with the tie break, we say sort of anything goes, uh, which is a catch all term. It's not necessarily, I suppose, that anything goes. It's just like, yeah, normally you can't use Facebook, you can't use Google, and you can only bring on one person. But now we're saying you can do those things, you can bring on multiple people. And someone found somebody and just had, had been on the show earlier and just sent them the link, but never actually came on the show to bring that person on. Oh. And because that wasn't expressly prohibited, we had to allow it. It feels very much against the spirit of gameplay, yeah. but this is why I was telling someone after the show, this is why I stopped being commissioner of my fantasy football league. <laughs> because maybe it's a Jewish thing, maybe it's a competitive thing, but just like people are just always poking and prodding, looking for exceptions and loopholes and whatever. And I just don't want to legislate the game to death. It's a, it's definitely a gray area where spreadsheets fit in within the show. And all that said, it's just a game. Like we're just here to have fun. So yeah, yes, let's just relax. So again, <laughs> I'm going to push back in a couple areas, even uh, though I know. So I think a spreadsheet you make without looking anything else. So for me, a spreadsheet is a way to organize my brain. And so when we opened up our shared Google sheet for our team, I was just sort of inputting from my brain people who I would want to not forget to contact if the opportunity came up. So I wasn't like going through my Facebook roster going, who lives here, who lives here. So in the sense that it could just be like jotted down on a piece of paper from my brain, but because I'm me, I put it in a spreadsheet. I did think that sort of followed the spirit. So I would agree. It really doesn't matter what the rules are from game to game, as long as within a game itself, it's consistent for the participants. 
Right, which so, I think you're so fantastic about on the fly saying, okay, everyone's allowed to bring in one more person or okay, we're gonna, like you, I have watched you sort of handle sticky situations very fairly on the fly, which is well, super impressive. Eh, I mean, I appreciate that. I, I, I do the best I can, but I'm also a people pleaser. And so I think that that sometimes uh, makes that a, a challenge. This whole experience is just one big experiment. Like we're just making things up as we go and learning from every experience we have and trying to figure out what makes sense. You know, I can tell you for next year's Elijah's Cup, I plan on there being a next year's Elijah's Cup. We're not going to do them two nights in a row. We're going to split it up uh, and have it on like a Tuesday and a Thursday, for example. I, some of it will depend on when Passover is, but... I had never had anyone else host the show before. It was just me. So like for me, what's the big deal doing it two nights in a row? Like I'm used to it. Well, for the other hosts, that was a lot. And you know what? I get it because when I was starting out doing these back in the day, <laughs> I mean, it would be hours after a show before my adrenaline would calm down. Right. Um, and now, you know, I mean, I, I still get that to an extent, but my brain isn't on fire the way it was in the early days, because I've got 150 of these things under my belt now. So like even just small lessons like that, like that never occurred to me ahead of time, but now having done a year of it, like there will probably be some some tweaks and, and changes. And this, I, none of this has anything to do with what this podcast is about. So I apologize, but. Well, let's, I mean, but I, I have recently told the origin story of this podcast, which it was born in the comment section of the game show which is to say people started bringing spreadsheets and at some point you said like oh god spreadsheets or why would anyone bring a spreadsheet or that's right <laughs> and a couple of us were like what is wrong with micah and i was like i said something about a spreadsheet podcast and then a bunch of people were like i'd be on that show and i was like wait a minute it is also quarantine for me. I also need something to do with my time. I think I'm going to start a spreadsheet podcast. And there was some confusion because I thought Sarah Beth Berman's husband, Jeff, had volunteered to co-host it with me. And I, I have to admit, I went back and looked at the comments and he never did. I like, <laughs> he said something about wanting to be on it. And I, in my excitement, so I started emailing him like, what's our name going to be? And like, I was just like full on Jamie. And he was like, um, I have a new baby and a new job. And like, any chance you like, don't need me for this. So That's too funny. Um, Jeff was recently a guest on There's a Column for that. And so I did interview him and we talked a little bit about the origin story, but really this it was all because of you, because of the community, because of your distaste for spreadsheets that this even happened. And I wonder, I mean, can you share with us, I'm sure there've been other things that have grown out of this community. I don't know if you know any of them off the top of your head, but. I mean, the, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is just relationship. Holistically, it seems like there's a community that is built around the show, which is amazing. Uh, and, you know, individual relationships and friendships that have, that have come from it. Um, you know, we keep, people keep asking like, have any like actual relationships come from it and my guess is maybe but probably not yet because people haven't had a chance to like see each other 
Um, but that's a fun thing to to contemplate. Um, well, and it's becomes it becomes like a theater for itself in that I now have a whole bunch of Jews I know all over the country that I didn't know before that are added to like my Jewish geography arsenal, which isn't you know just about who knows one but is about like, oh, I need someone in Atlanta who could get me in touch with someone to help with this project I'm working on. And all of a sudden I have those people that I didn't before. So it's really interesting how it perpetuated itself. Well, and it's certainly been that way for me. I mean, almost without exception in the last year, if I need uh, a connection to uh, an organization or I'm trying to find a uh, I'm trying to cast a show and I need suggestions like my, the who knows one community is my first go-to for any of that stuff. Um, and I very much appreciate that people are willing to make those introductions, which again, that's a big part of the whole thing. And uh, I've heard anecdotally that there are group texts and things like that of friends who watch the show together um, or, you know, have started kind of like you mentioned, you know, you have a group of friends that you've started zooming with. Uh, I've heard of things like that that have that have come out of reconnection uh, from the show without without knowing it when I started it, that became the reason for its existence very early. And once I realized the the reconnection piece in particular, that was when like, you know, people's like, when did you know this was a thing? That was when I knew it was the thing. When I saw the people reconnecting in the in the comments, and on screen, this happened last night. We did a show for BBYO Ontario last night where one of the contestants uh, in Canada was looking for somebody in Houston and someone got brought on and it just so happened that their child, she had led on like a summer program some years ago. And just seeing like the delight in her eyes and seeing her former counselor, like that's the magic. And that's the piece that I think, you know, every time it happens, that's why we're doing this. Uh, should we talk a little bit about spreadsheets? Sure. I mean, if you had to, Excel, Google Sheets, something else, have you even- Are they made? not all the same? Oh God, you're off the podcast. <laughs> What's the difference? Excel has a lot more functionality, but is a lot harder to work collaboratively in. So when okay. I typically ask this question, people will either say only Excel, or I really prefer Excel, but when I'm working with my people and we're all over the world now, we have to use Google Sheets. Yeah, I mean, I would say I probably use Google Sheets uh, for the same reason. Like it's just, I can access it more easily and it's easier to share with people. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I probably know the functionality of Excel a little bit better because historically that's what I would have used more. It's really, for me, it's like, I get the value of it. You you would maybe not call it busy work, but I just, I don't crave organization. I, I am fine in chaos, even though I recognize that I'm way better off when I'm organized. And, and this is, I mean, this has been an interesting journey for me this past year, because this is my first time working for myself. And whatever systems or processes that I put in place, there it's not because anyone else is making me do it my last job my boss uh had me start using like a a gan is that what it's called gantt chart gantt there we go i had never heard of it i had no idea what it was i hated we had a it. whole episode just on gantt charts yeah 
they suck. I want nothing to do with them. It feels like a complete waste of time. Uh, but that's just because I don't like, that feels like work and I don't like work. Um, but that said, working for myself and finding that like, if I don't get organized on some level, it causes me stress. When I, this is related, but I think it holds true uh, for both things. Like I am fine in a, in a chaotic state and I'm fine in a last minute environment in my life in general. It's not a big deal to me on a Saturday morning to say, what are we gonna do today? Or, you know, text somebody and say, hey, are you guys up to anything tonight? Do y'all wanna do something? A lot of people already have plans because some people like to make plans in advance and that's just never been my thing. But I found in the show that there would be times when it'd be like a Friday and I didn't have a cast show for Saturday night and that gave me tremendous anxiety because I am incredibly indecisive and I would just spin my wheels for hours trying to make a decision. And so that was like, okay, I need to cast the show further out because it makes me too uncomfortable the day before, two days before to try to figure out a show. And so I've tried to get more organized. I do have a master spreadsheet for the show where I keep all the information uh, I mean, not all the information. I'm sure there's much more that I could keep on it, but I have roughly a list of contestants, chosen ones, sponsors, uh, geographic location, how long the time the show lasted, et cetera, et cetera. And it definitely helps keep me organized. I literally had someone the other night send me a Facebook message saying, uh, you probably don't know this, but I was trying to find the episode where my friend was the chosen one. And I was like, I actually do have that information. And I control F'd it and looked for uh, you know, looked for a name and found it and sent him the link to it. Um, so there's definitely value to it, but I don't want to do it every single time I do it. I'm like, oh, I gotta enter everything into this spreadsheet and I know it's worth it, but I hate it. That's pretty much my relationship to it. So how did Elijah's Cup happen? there had to have been spreadsheets involved uh yeah yeah there were um i had help um i uh carrie jablanski um was sort of my right hand uh on the show but i also uh had help from uh rogue shul um they helped build out uh, uh before uh someone actually uh and shout out to mike scheinberg for creating like an actual bracket tournament um Ellie had created in she, by the way, if you have, if you're talking to them, but as of this taping, haven't recorded yet, she seems like a, like a master, like she could do like a master class because she created this like colorized, like artistic looking uh, bracket with all the different contestants. Um, that was very helpful when we were casting that when we were basically plotting out who was competing against who and where and when, that was all done in a spreadsheet. Um, we we did all of the uh, matchups and figuring out the chosen ones. That was all done in a spreadsheet. So, so you yes, didn't create was, the spreadsheet, but spreadsheets were used to make that happen. That is correct. Yes, because I did was, not did, create them, but did other people did. Did that go into 
okay, Jamie and Stacy are in Lancaster. We're going to put them up against someone in Canada and give them a chosen one in Kentucky. Like, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. On some level, yes. Okay. Some of it was random. Some of it was intentional matchups. You know, I mean, the truth is, especially this first time around, some people we knew, some people we didn't. Uh, so there was only so much we could do to like say, oh, it makes sense for this team to go up against this team. There was one matchup in the first round that they were all like super close friends with each other. And I had no idea that that was true. Um, so that was, again, happy coincidence. Also, um, my mother snuck into the show and you didn't right. know. Right, that's right. Well, how would I know? <laughs> she it's said a different she, name. But I said to her, mom, does Micah know you're my mom? And she said, I filled out the questionnaire they gave me. It said family members. And I said, okay. Right. And I learned that uh, right before the show started and I was looking at the clues. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and she fun. was great. It was a good one. That was, uh, that was honestly one of the more memorable uh, chosen ones. Because if I remember correctly, that was the one where uh, the like 87 year old rabbi got brought in. Yeah. So here's what happened that morning was when she told me she was on, she's like, my game's tonight. My, my game was the next night. And I was like, I'm sorry, you're what? Like, like she didn't even tell me that she tried. And she was like, I'm the chosen one tonight. And I was like, uh, okay. And then I said, did you, t does Micah know who you are? And she said, I filled out all the paperwork. She's also a rule follower. That's where I get it from. And I was like, okay. And I was, I was having a strategy session with my team member, Stacy. And I said to Stacy, there is no way they are getting to my mother without me unless they get to Eve Rudin. But there is also no way anyone would think to get to Eve Rudin because my mom's last name and Eve's last name are not the same. Well, sure enough, they went almost right to Eve Rudin. Yeah. Who also didn't know my mom's la my mom's current last name. So Eve was like, I don't know anyone named that, but like, if you want me to ask my dad, cause he's from Pittsburgh, I'll ask my dad. She bring, and I'm watching going, it's your cousin. And she brings her dad on her dad's like, oh yeah, that's Susie Prosky. That's your cousin. Happy coincidences. Yeah, yeah that uh, was them. great. That but was yeah, great. so spreadsheets were, uh, heavily used uh, in the uh, construction of Elijah's Cup, and uh, I'm always appreciative of them. But I just, it just feels like work. And so I'm not sure I, I should no ask of you any of the other questions I typically ask, aside from favorite commander function, which I'm going to guess for you is Control F. Since you oh yeah, that's basically the only. I, I let me. I could probably knock out very quickly my entire knowledge of of how to use spreadsheets. Uh, I know control F. I know that uh, if if you have uh, too much information for a line that you can go into formats uh, and do word wrap uh, or whatever it's called text it's wrap. It's called wrap text. Yep. Wrap text. There you go. Uh, I learned that you can add things together by uh, clicking on them and dragging whatever and then clicking the Sigma mm -hmm. button and that gives you an answer. Mm -hmm. That was very helpful when I learned that. That might be it. Uh, no, I also learned that you can freeze uh, a cell. So like on my master spreadsheet, I have the, the date and the organization frozen uh, and then everything else spills in there. And that probably completes my knowledge of spreadsheet functionality. <laughs> Alphabetizing? No, don't know how to do that. Okay, fair.
Okay, then let's move on to final thoughts. <laughs> Anything right now that you are loving, podcasts, books, movies, shows that you want to shout out and think people should definitely not miss? We watch like an, an hour of TV a night. And just over the course of time, we basically see everything that's worth seeing. So what do you, so we do as well, but we tend to watch really dark crime. So do you have like a genre that you're watching in? We hop back and forth. You know what? I'll, here's just the first thing that pops in my head uh, because we were just talking about this the other day. Uh, if you've never seen Class Action Park, uh, it's the documentary on HBO about this uh, amusement park in New Jersey in the 80s. And I think you could probably even guess what it's about just hearing amusement park in New Jersey in the 80s. It's incredible. <laughs> there is a spreadsheet tie in there. I don't know how long ago you watched it or if it would have stood out to you the way it stood out to me, but there was some embezzlement stuff going on and it was sure. discovered via spreadsheet basically. Oh, okay. And I will tell you that back in October when numbers looked like they were falling, I turned 45 and there's a local independent cinema that in trying to stay alive, you could rent out the whole cinema with a max of 20 people. So it was like COVID compliant and watch whatever you wanted. And so I think 20 was the maximum you could have in the theater. I was there with eight of my friends and we watched Class Action Park. So no that's kidding. like right up my alley. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It just, I, I, the way I always explain it to people is like, this is the documentary. It's like, okay, here's a ride and here's people talking about this ride and the way they describe it, you're like, well, that sounds like the most awful thing that you could ever come up with. And then it's like, and here's this ride. And then that ride is even worse. And then this just happens like 10 times in a row where you're like, well, nothing could possibly be worse than that ride. And then so on and so forth. Well, uh, you also get ambulance counts in there, yeah. right? With, and then you also, then you learn like the people designing the rides had no business designing right. the rides. And right. that, that to me was sort of fundamentally made me shaky. Like I have a friend growing up whose dad designed their home. He is not an architect. He was a right. lawyer. Right. But it was like her dad, it was a really cool, funky home. I'm sure someone had to then make plans so that they could build the house. This was a situation where like a guy was doodling a ride on a piece of paper and then hired someone to build it with like yeah. no safety testing, no nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was nuts. Um, but uh, I highly recommend watching it for anybody that wants to check it out. Um, we also just finished Search Party on uh, on tbs that. i've heard which, a lot of recommendations yeah i liked it it was good by the way i was just looking back at some of your rapid fire questions i'm just going to give you quick answers i like color coding i do color code my master spreadsheet wow yeah i have a different color for uh for private shows for wednesday nights for saturday nights for special events um so i do i do make use of color coding I don't know that I have a one thing about spreadsheets that other people might not know. So I'll, I'll, I'll replace it with something else uh, because I love sharing. This is like my, maybe my favorite thing that has come out of this show is that I get to share this news with people who've never heard it. Uh, when I am walking contestants uh, through how to participate and I give them the message that they can send to people and I usually just put it in the chat in the Zoom chat. And I always get the question of like, well, how do I take this and put it in my phone? 
And I get to tell people that if you have an Apple device synced to your, uh, if you have an Apple computer and Apple phone, that you can copy and paste seamlessly between devices. And I remember the first time I came across that and how it blew my mind. And I love seeing it blow other people's minds. So it's not, it could be spreadsheet related. If you're working on a spreadsheet on your computer or on your phone, let's say you're sitting at a soccer game and you need to fill something out. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's probably not a, a good use case scenario, but um, you could go from phone to computer seamlessly if you have Apple devices. You're, you might be blowing my mind. Are you saying if I select something on my computer and hit copy and then pick up my iPhone and hit paste? It that- will paste it seamlessly. Did not know that. Yeah. Am- it's amazing. It is maybe the most useful thing about having a- Apple devices. Because I've been texting myself back and forth a lot of stuff. No, you don't need to do it. You can, like, if you're if there's something on your phone that you want to read on a browser, mm-hmm. just copy it, put it in the browser, hit paste, boom, you're there. It's it's amazing. Thank you, Micah. Yeah, see? Thank you. So that's not necessarily about spreadsheets, but I love sharing that. I appreciate uh, that. I Feelings about CRMs, uh, useful. I, I worked in sports for a long time, and I will just say that uh, I think CRMs are useful, but nowhere near as useful as the people who work for CRM companies think they are. Uh, there's like what you could do with a CRM tool and what people actually do with them. And the the Venn overlap of that diagram is like a tiny little sliver. And then the last thing was, uh, oh, I definitely do not know how to make a pivot table. Yeah, that, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> All right, what about anything you're working on that you want to shout out? I mean, we've talked a lot about the show. So like, if you want to do a 30 second pitch for it or anything else that you have coming up or how people, how it might impact or interact with other people's lives who've never heard of it before. Uh, my short term goal with the show is, uh, you know, I grew up in the summer camp world. Uh, my dad was camp director for 30 years. I spent the first 22 years of my life at summer camp. Uh, this is a tough summer because of everything. And a lot of camps would normally be doing alumni programming, uh, reunions and whatnot that they cannot do this summer because of COVID. So my goal this summer is to try to do as many camp games as I can, specifically for their alumni who want to be together but can't otherwise. And I've done a lot of shows for a lot of different types of organizations. Um, And I'm probably biased when I say this, but the camp ones have been my favorites uh, because it's a family that just loves each other and loves getting to spend time together and seeing all of the inside jokes and the ribbing and the reconnections and, and all that stuff. It's just a very, very happy place to be. So my hope is to just do a ton of camp games this summer. Um, and then beyond that, you know, as we begin to get back to society, uh, I'm working on turning this into a live show. Um, I, I think it has a lot of, uh, opportunity to be an in-person, uh, thing that can be a hybrid of, you know, in-person and still virtual depending on how it plays out. Um, so, you know, once things open up enough, I hope to bring it around to different communities, uh, and do it in person. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I feel like there's an element of like the original let's make a deal where you're like, does anyone have a hard boiled egg in their purse? Like, do you, do you like the really early, I think let's make a deal had these random, like 
who has a banana in their purse? And people were like running up on stage with random things. Yeah, I definitely, I think as I envision it, I hope there will be a lot of audience uh, participation in it. I think that will make it uh, a lot of fun. So working on designing that out uh, and figuring out how to make that uh, happen. But uh, that's that's definitely, I, I, <laughs> I have a lot of things. One of the things about this whole experience, I think is mostly a positive uh, is that it's, you know, it gave me a lot of confidence in myself that uh, if I have an idea for something that I can do it uh, and, and whether it works or it doesn't work, that I try. Uh, and I think I have told myself in my life the story that I am not capable of following through on things uh, and making things happen. Um, and, you know, I did this. This thing exists. And there's a lot of help from a lot of people along the way that I have always got a drawer full of ideas that I, of things that I want to do. And so now it's like, oh, maybe I actually will do that now. Um, so that's part of it also is just trying to figure out like what feels like is worth my time. More to come. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, not to put any pressure on you, but this is our last episode of our season one. And this is the last question, which is the question you get to ask me. So you get to ask me anything, spreadsheet or not spreadsheet related, and this will be the final thoughts for our first season of There's a Column for That. Okay, so no mine pressure. is maybe a couple parts, but maybe not. Um, you're an author. Uh, I am always impressed by authors uh, for similar reasons to what I just said, which is, I just feel like I, I want to write something, but I just don't believe that I could do it. And so anyone that has been able to do that successfully, uh, and by successfully, I mean just that you did it, regardless of the commercial success uh, of anything, I'm just super impressed by. So I would love to know how you do it. And then I guess as a, as a tangent to that, and you've probably talked about this, I'm guessing, how do spreadsheets play into your actual writing process? Yeah, awesome. I like those questions. And I was thinking at the very top of the show when you're like, there is a pivot moment in this conversation where if I say I'm a game show host, that takes the conversation in a whole different way. So when I say, oh, well, I have a novel out, right? Like, like you said, and thank you for saying it, but that people tend to be fascinated or impressed by authors because so many people feel like there's something they want to write and they haven't. And so they're like, well, you, you did that thing that I want to do. So I will, the very quick and easy answer is it's a compulsion. Like I can't not do it. And so for me, like the way you feel about spreadsheets is the exact opposite way I feel about writing. It doesn't feel like, oh, now I have to sit down and write. It doesn't feel like busy work, even though it often sort of is like it is the only way I can understand my surroundings is by writing about it. And to be honest, whether I'm writing fiction or nonfiction, I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to understand my surroundings. Fiction um, gives me a lot more latitude to sort of create. One of the things I joked about when I was writing my first novel is I finally figured out why I liked writing, which was I could put characters in really difficult situations and then figure out how to get them out of it, which is essentially how I've lived my whole life. I put myself in absurd situations and then I figure out a way out and hopefully no one scathed in the, in the process. Um, so 
yeah, the, the really easy answer is I write because I can't not write. And I think, you know, I've been, I'm in um, a monthly book group where we read writing craft books, like how does someone write, which generally I despise those books. Now I'm in a group with a great group of people who are picking really good books. And so the last two craft books I've read, I've actually really liked, which is shocking to me. And what I've learned um, probably more than anything else is the people who are successful writers are just the people who keep doing it. And I think there's a part of that, which is they are also the people who can't not do it. Because if we could not do it, we would have stopped 6 million times. And you know, early in my career, I ran an internship program in New York City. And I, um, you know, I did the, the interviewing and the hiring and the placement. And then I managed the interns on site in New York City. And some of them were just there for the summer. Some of them were there for a school year. Some of them were there for a whole year. But you tapped out of the internship program after 12 months. You couldn't go beyond that. And when helping them figure out what came next, I would say, listen, if you can be happy anywhere other than New York City, please go do that. Because this is going to be hard and it's going to be unpleasant and you're going to be broke and you're going to hear no a lot. So if there's anything you can do besides nonprofit Broadway theater in New York City, please go do that. And I would say the same thing to most writers. If you can be happy without doing this, you're probably better off because there's a lot of this that's miserable. I can't, the first time I got a request to see my whole novel by an agent, I couldn't breathe for like a day. And when she very quickly told me she wasn't interested in representing it, I couldn't breathe for like a whole week. I mean, it was just devastating. Now that happens all the time. And I'm just like, next, 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 next. But the, those, for, I mean, my family, it was not pleasant to be around me when I was first querying my novel. And I am much better about it now, but it's never fun. Right. So. Well, hats off to you, honestly, because. <laughs> I, yeah. That said, I do coach people. I coach new writers. And if you really want to write something, <laughs> I can help you write something, Micah. But okay. to answer your second question. So I had on one of these shows, one of my mentors, who actually taught me how to plot my novel in an Excel spreadsheet. And I am not someone who plots novels. So this was a real stretch for her. She was like, what do you mean you don't plot novels? And I was like, I write them. And then I figure out what's wrong. And then I write them again. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna save you a year by teaching you how to plot. And so it really is a chart or a graph, whatever you wanna call it, where you are paying attention to the A plot, the B plot and the C plot essentially you're looking at your chapters, you're making sure that what happens in the plot, the sort of A meets B, then C, then D, is touching on those three plots and subplots in the right order, um, that you make sure that everything you do is in service to the theme and the, the heart's desire of the main characters. And so it's a really involved spreadsheet that if you do it well, really saves you from doing what I do, which is I write 40,000 words and then I throw out 30,000 of them. And then I write 40,000 words and keep 40,000, but now I have to write the next 40,000. Um, what I will tell you, and she's used this chart for lots of people and lots of people love it. For me, once I had that novel all in that chart, I was completely uninterested in writing the novel. 
because I'd figured out all of those complicated situations. So that's the downside. And that's just how my brain works. The upside is I can pick up that spreadsheet a year from now and write the next chapter. So I don't have to be in that mindset, which is how I currently write, which is just trying to get it down on paper before I lose it. So I have an entire novel plotted that I could pick up at any moment and write the next chapter. There are other things that are more interesting to me right now. Um, if I ever get a two book deal, I know what the second book will be. <laughs> so it'll be there. <laughs> so um, integral, but I use spreadsheets for literally everything. So it would be shocking if I didn't use them in my writing. Before she taught me that, I mean, I use them. So I use them actually to plan the calendar. I mean, I know I could use it, but I don't want 12 pages of a calendar. I just need major plot points and when they happen. So I have an Excel spreadsheet that tells me um, both of my novels take place over the course of three months, like a summer, five months, and then a summer. And so I needed to, with my, my most recent novel, which is coming out in November, I needed to, <laughs> I needed Penn State's summer schedule. I needed Pitt's summer schedule from 1997. And then I needed the band that's at the, the center of the book. I needed their tour schedule, which I created from whole cloth. So I have these three columns that tell me when is there a term break during the summer? When would finals be happening during the summer? When are they in LA? When are they here? So that I can very quickly open up and say, okay, these two people are in the same location on this date because the band is here and they have, and this person has a break from summer session. So that's one way I used spreadsheets before she even taught me that method. Um, keeping track of people's ages, like, oh my gosh, she keeps saying she's 16, but actually she turned 17 last week in the narrative. So I keep that all on a spreadsheet. What I hear you saying is work, 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 <laughs> work, 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 work. And what it, what, it, what it does for me is it's so grounding. Like that's the part where I'm like, a year ago when I figured out that the band had to go on a road trip and I was like, oh my God. I am too old to go on a road trip with a band. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I just have to plan it. I don't have to go on it. I love the planning part. So then I planned out a whole, you know, summer tour for a band that doesn't exist. That, that was sounds fun. like fun. That, that was part fun I could get by. Yeah. yeah, that was totally fun. Yeah. Maybe you know this already. So I do a lot of data entry at work at my day job. And I always have a podcast going on in the back. So even if it feels like work, 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 it's actually... I'm listening to the tale of a horrible, gruesome crime or a lovely conversation about summer camp while I am doing like data, like pure data entry. So, gotcha. all right. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. I'm so glad you were my final guest of my first season because without you, there would not be a, there's a column for that. I'm sorry that I sent you down this uh, rabbit hole, but, uh, but I appreciate the sentiment. Uh, and thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day. Bye.